Jeff Bezos blind to Twitch royalties. Google beats Genius Lawsuit. And Smash Mouth plays to thousands. That's showbiz, baby. Welcome to episode 11 of That Show Biz Baby Podcast, your all things music business and media podcast. I'm your host, Joe, with my co-host, Colin. Hi, Joe. How are you? Good. We've we've had this conversation about four, four times. Four times. Today. Yeah, this is take four. Uh, we're trying out a new setup downstairs, hopefully to accommodate guests. And it's been very weird and stressful. And I love dealing with playback engines is yeah, my main takeaway. It's really fun, you know? So, yeah. So <laughs> we, we love podcasting. It's so, great. <laughs> so yeah, we're exploring that. And a lot of people have been sending us some interesting things. So if you want to send us more interesting things, we have a bunch of socials. Uh, we got Twitter at ShowBizBabyPod, uh, Facebook and Instagram at that ShowBizBabyPodcast, and email at that ShowBizBabyPodcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. So, uh, yeah, uh, we've basically been pushing along with our technical difficulties, but if you want to hear more about our podcast and everything like that, and maybe a little audio, I'll tell you about that too over on the socials. We'd really appreciate a follow, a like, or a rating on any streaming platform and any social media. Uh, yeah. So we got a big one for you all today. First off, I want to talk to you guys about everyone's favorite Shrek-related band, Smash Mouth. <laughs> um, so Smash Mouth played We're a We're going to get some Smash Mouth yeah, like, Twitter so, heat. <laughs> yeah, the Smash Mouth come after us. Uh, it'd be good publicity. Anyway, <laughs> so Smash Mouth played a gig in Sturgis, uh, South Dakota, and it's a motorcycle rally. And it's a huge motorcycle rally, if you guys don't know. Only reason I know this is because my mother is really was really into motorcycles, which is news to me. Yes, Bra- shocking news and breaks. Shocking at Showbiz Baby. No, anyway, so uh, this rally occurred and is still occurring. It's a ten day event, and they played it. And basically, I, the reason why I think this is kind of big news for the podcast is because I feel like this could be a new normal for you know the foreseeable future, especially in states that do not have a lot of mask and people gathering regulations. So, yeah, let's just get right into it. So they played a gig on the 9th, again, in uh, Sturgis, South Dakota, as part of the Motorcycle Rally uh, Buffalo Chip Concert Series. So basically, I'll read off who else is playing on this, but it's pretty much everyone you think would play in a biker concert. (laughs) So we have Molly Hatchett, the Guess Who, Fozzie and Colt 40, Night Ranger, uh, uh, Kenny Wayne Shepard, the, wow, Kenny Wayne Shepard Band, sorry, Kenny, uh, Buck Cherry, Saliva, Drowning Pool, Lit, 38 Special, Quiet Riot, The Reverend Horton Heat, he- <laughs> and Bone Thugs in Harmony. That's so, a mouthful. Yeah. I would totally see Lit, though. I know. After those Reddit clips that went viral for a while. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the promoter uh, put this on, and the manager of the band, Robert Hayes, kind of spoke to Billboard over email about what was going on. So... He said that the promoter did a fantastic job with the COVID protocol. They had a very strict social distancing and mass policy in place for all workers. Everything backstage was sanitized, etc. The band has their own COVID addendum to their writer, as well as the promoter and the venue adhere to all the requests. We spent endless hours advancing this event to make sure that it was pulled off as safely as possible, and we were very happy with the outcome. So that's what he said. Again, this is a huge event in South Dakota. 
It has been scaled down. This is the words. It has been scaled down from 250,000 to 250,000 people. Wait, you know, so where was it at before? It was still in Sturgis. It just was scaled down to 250,000. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, was there like a million people there? Like, there there's yeah. upwards sometimes of 500,000 people there. Oh. Uh, because of. So they have to, but that's still like way too many people. It's still a lot of people. So they've been scaling it down. And then also the attendees are largely free of social distancing rules and. Basically, as you can see in a lot of photos and from Forbes, there's very little people that seem to be walking around with masks and stuff like that at this event. Uh, the promoters have reduced the capacity by 50% and have hand sanitizer and recommended social distancing to its attendants. Uh, so uh, Recommended. Yeah, this very strong words recommended. So... Hayes, again, who's the manager of Smash Mouth, said they felt very good from the stage and there were lots of measures in place uh, to make sure everything was clean and there was a safe environment for the band and crew. However, the performers said they did not have any control which protocols the attendees followed. So they said most of them were on motorcycles, which eliminated a lot of the physical contact between attendees and actually created a forced social distancing. So I guess there's a little positive there. But And then the Smash Mouth organization is taking the pandemic very seriously and has taken measures to keep out or keep our band and crew and fans as safe as possible during this time. I mean, yeah, you're going to feel safe from the stage. That's like you're hitting right on the nail feet away from the crowd. <laughs> Yeah, of course you're going to feel better on the stage. Also, motorcycles are not cars. I'd like to make that point <laughs> where you, you don't have like closed air. So I'm I'm sure those motorcyclists were like lined up right next to each other so the whole here, time. Here's the deal with like this and this is why I've brought it into Do you have podcast. photos of this? I'd like to Yeah, we can look at some photos. Um yeah, if you guys look in the uh, description of this podcast, we usually, we always link the articles. And the Billboard article I linked has photos and stuff like that of this in it from multiple social media users. Oh, uh, Joe's that is not it. socially dis- <laughs> distanced at all. Are so you kidding me? There's some people, you know, it's it's it, it's not good if you're it's listening like to like the Broadway audience. and Nashville there are people, right now. It's an outdoor venue, and these people are on the street, and they are nobody is wearing a mask. Like maybe I see one person in there wearing a mask and they're all next to each other, you know, having a good time ready. And they're all older, which is also not a good combination. So, uh, yeah. So here's, here's the reason I brought this up. I think this is the new normal because I think that for people and states that have no regulations or anything like that, that this could be what bands and stuff do to make crews comfortable and themselves comfortable because the stage itself is already a very locked down area so i think what they will if they do concerts in the time of like covid with like covid being a very active threat either we don't have herd immunity or a vaccine that's uh readily everywhere um i think this is how people are and promoters around are going to get quote unquote get away with a covid show because they're going to just be like all right, we suggested it kind of like a local government's wink, wink, but like literally it's just like, we suggested you wear a mask and we suggested you use the hand sanitizer and we suggested you stay away from people. 
And then like, but and then every, it's not gonna, yeah. Like no every, one's gonna follow the and rules. And so like everyone's gonna be or the suggestions. Yeah. And so if somebody, I think this is also defensive. They tried to get like sued or something by any of these people because they're like, we got COVID. I mean, and, it's probably included in the ticket agreement, right? There's probably that. And then also it's like, oh, here's the evidence. Is like we had signs that say stay away from each other. But again, remember this is two hundred fifty thousand people in a town. Yeah, you're definitely gonna get people sick. You're gonna get people around you. You know, there's no six feet. I can't unless you're unless you're just spinning with a six foot ruler around you all the time there's no way yeah. that you're going to be able to do that and again people aren't wearing masks and masks are to protect other people not necessarily yourself so you might be screwed there too uh yeah i i i think it's just irresponsible like morally irresponsible to do this i think it's very morally um, irresponsible i mean it might be legal to do it but i don't think you should necessarily do it you but know? do you think you see what i'm saying do you think that like kind of like what i'm thinking that they could get away with it. Oh, they're totally going to get right. away with it. Well, I mean, and that's why I was saying, because before we had... Chase if, Rice got away yeah, with we, it. Yeah, we talked about that in a previous podcast, if you want to get catched up on that. But, like, this is a little different than the Chase Rice thing, is basically, instead of being, like, almost like a, you know, fuck y'all, we're not going to do the protocol because it ain't real, you know? Mm-hmm. This is kind of like a plausible deniability situation, and I could definitely see maybe some lower-level producers and stuff try to get away with this in some you know producers of festivals and other like small things maybe try to get away with this in some capacity and then not not to be you know stereotyping anything but like do we think obviously that the market for the sturgill motorcycle or smash mouth fans yeah or (laughs) i guess or smash mouth fans are really are really going to be the people that are going to be very concerned about covid19 no right and so (laughs) that's the other thing is like I think this also works because of the audience. So, but yeah, but it's not the, the where it comes back to the moral thing. It's it's not just the audience you have to worry about. It's the people. It's oh, who I don't they think it's, I don't with. think it's morally right because I well, it, these people are going to get sick and yeah. and like I was showing you these. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with your statement. Right. I'm just, and so like I, I get you're just playing a little advocate like on the side, but like literally, I think that this is kind of the level that we might see for a couple you know, maybe a year, year and a half, two yeah. years of it's people doing this. Because, I mean, as we know, the demands there, people want, would love to go to a concert right now, especially with the economy maybe going to go down and everything like that. But, like, you know, the moral aspect of it is amazing. Uh, I would love to see if there's, like, anything, with, especially with, like, insurance with yeah. this would be really interesting. Uh, and you're kind of seeing the other side where it's like, oh, the fans don't care. But the bands and the crew are like, hell no. <laughs> they're they're all like, we're getting this shit together. But at the same time, they go on the back and, like, unless everybody gets in a separate car and goes away from each other, you know, everybody there has to have a you know, responsibility to everyone else that's back there that, you know, you try to stay away from people. You're not actively going to very high infected zones. Mm-hmm. And I, there's no way you can confirm that, you know? Yeah. Not with that many people. Right. And like I mean, even, having, you know, they could get a test the day before. Even if you y- had the most bare bone thing and you had, you know, three people who are working a stage, you had like two people on the stage and one person working front of house, which, uh, prayers to you, whoever's working front of house of that thing, because they're in the middle of all these people. They have a but, tent around me. <laughs> like, I, yeah, literally. And I'm sure it's great to mix in the tent, too. It's yeah. going to sound great in there. But, like, literally, I, I, those three people also could all be carriers if they're not careful, you know? And then also, you have bands rotating, and there's five guys a band 
you know, five mm-hmm. guys or girls, you know. And then you have to think about cleanliness of mics and the equipment on right. stage. I'm sure, and, you know, if you're screaming into a microphone, are they switching it out every time? Are we like listerining it or something, you know? So it's like... <laughs> they have a, a PA go out there with like some No, 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 they really do and, that. I, yeah. <laughs> they really do that from someone who has production experiences. Like you can sanitize a mic with listerine pretty well. Uh, but... That's news to me as well. I'm also, learning a lot. Also, fun fact... You can sanitize them with restaurant quality dishwashers. The ones where you close the whole thing on top of it. Where you can put it in you there? You put the mic grill. You take it off the mic. Oh, and you put it in and there. And then you put it in there. <laughs> That's kind of badass. No, we used to do it uh, at another job I used to have. It it works. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I just think that this is kind of a symbol because I feel like a lot of people are like, when we talked about the Chase Rice thing, we're like, screw this guy. He's the, you know terrible person for doing this we're not doing this as an industry but now as people are getting more desperate and people need money and there's a demand there i i think this would be the new normal of people trying to do this kind of stuff i definitely think it's people are going to try as much as possible to do anything in terms of live entertainment but again doesn't mean you should right (laughs) also i want to say new normal not that new normal of two hundred fifty thousand people in a city but new normal of the crew trying to their best to sanitize and be safe in their own capacity, which is already extremely difficult. And then basically just being like to the audience members, good, good luck. You know, yeah. we give you some tools, but to 250,000 people, this is a That's micro ridiculous. like motorcycle stuff like that. It's huge. They're huge That's events. Nuts. 250,000 people at this thing. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely going to be a strange, Time. And then you also have to think all these people are visiting here and then they go home. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 250,000 people going to wherever they, their you respective know, thing. All across and the States or something. They brought up in their article, they're like, there's no way, there's no verification if you were in a very highly impacted zone or something like that and you came and, you know. There's, so, you, there's no way to accurately test yeah, 250,000. No Could you imagine fans. if you were a concert goer and like the promoter was like, hey, we need you to confirm for two weeks that you just stayed away from everyone. Yeah. No, no one's going to buy. No a one's going to do that. Yeah, no one's going to do that. So, well, and then like the temperature taking too is it's inaccurate. You the know, temperature like in terms taking of, is hard, inaccurate. It definitely it's 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 in the moment. So like if you are actively showing symptoms, like you are most likely not as a person who is sick, you're most likely not going to go out into the world anyways. Like, if you have a fever, you know you have a but fever. But if you're a super you know I mean? spreader and you don't know you have it and you just are, you know, have the virus in you and it causes nothing to you, you're going to look fine. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to pop up on the on the temp taker. So, so, like, I think the thing is, is it's, like, kind of, like, a plausible deniability and it's, like, the promoters can just be like, hey, we, we tried, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. and, that, and that was Well, it. They're, they're, like, whatever. They're going to the bank. Right. You know, they don't care. So, but, um, who knows what, what's going to happen. I pray for those communities and I especially pray for the front of house guy, wherever he was mixing that rest (laughs) in in the front of house, dude. Yeah. So, um, well, we got Google in the news again, uh, and genius lyrics, uh, which is interesting. Um, so if you guys didn't know, Google and genius actually had a, uh, recent lawsuit, um, together. So what's funny, um, this is hilarious. Google was caught lifting song lyrics from Genius's site for their lyric site. Oh, no. And they were caught 
because Genius thought they were doing it because they were losing traffic from the site. And they were like, where the hell is all this traffic going to? And they were like, well, the only other person who has lyrics just like us is Google. And so what they did is they put in a watermark to the lyric sheets mm-hmm. um, in Morse code that's that spells out red-handed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they found it on Google's site. And then they filed a suit, but the suit, um, the case was dismissed due to Genius not having ownership over the song's lyrics in question. Um, So uh, Genius's arguments were basically, they had a couple of different arguments um, when it came to the lawsuit. Um, Now they came at Google because they said that Google uh, breached Genius's terms of service, which dictates that transmitting its transcriptions for commercial use is prohibited. But according to Billboard, um, when the case was filed in December, Google had it removed to federal court on the basis that Genius's state uh, claims were preempted and that the initial question in the case was if Genius was uh, disguising copyright claims with their current argument of, oh, you uh, you went against the terms of service. So basically, I mean, since Genius doesn't own the lyrics, they can't really enforce that. You know what I mean? Um, There's little doubt that the transcribed song lyrics fit with the types of works protected by Copyright Act and thus satisfy subject matter of a preempted claim. However, under precedent, state contract claims over what's typically regarded as intellectual property can nevertheless survive so long as there's an extra element at play. This could be contractual obligations that are quantitatively different from the copyright claim. Uh, Qualitatively yeah, quote whatever. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Yeah, we got it. Um, so the U.S. District Court Judge uh, Margot Brody rejected the proposition that Genius's attempt to guard against uh, scraping for profit uh, constitutes uh, constitutes or whatever <laughs> an extra element. Sorry, I'm using a lot of buzzwords today. Um, so yeah, basically they don't own the works; they can't enforce it. Unless yeah. the artists came out. That's kind of like, so here's the thing. I mean, that's exactly what it is because one genius, no way, no world could somehow claim that they have some ownership, ownership over those lyrics. lyrics because they're already probably running on thin ice in some capacity too, because like the reason that their company can exist is because other people a, make the lyrics for other them. people make the lyrics they write and it then in. other people aren't coming after them saying, take that down. You yeah. know what I mean? So like, because those are the people that actually have the copyrights. I think personally that this could spell a really bad time for genius unless they, really go into like the stuff I like about that website, which is where they go into like, more of the lyrical deep dive of it, where it's like, what does this line mean? Cause they'll do that for a lot of rap. Yeah. But like a lot that. of those are our fans who do that. Right. It's not even genius. But, but what I'm saying is that is what makes the service different than Google. Because Google would be like, you look up a song and you look up lyrics lyrics. and it shows it immediately. There's no way in hell that I would, as a user, if I wanted to look up a song lyric, go to another website if it's right there in front of me since a lot of most people use Google. Yeah. So I think Genius really needs now, since there's no way they can get some form of compensation or, you know, claim on that area of the business that they have to go full force into making the unique part of genius, almost like the Wikipedia part of genius in terms of like how it's creator based and, you know, based by fans and stuff like that. 
and just make a reason why you would go to genius as opposed to just looking up the lyrics on Google. Yeah. So, well, I, I think it comes down to whoever has the lyrics first, you know, or the SEO for the, cause like, I'm at, like you're looking up lyrics, right? Do you really care which site you're going to? No. Yeah. You just care like who has the lyrics. Right. It, this is also depends on like, I think it's more of, they have to accept that I, in my opinion, that they have lost the market for generic. This is just what the lyrics of the song are. I think they need and to it has go, to expand. On they have else. to, you know, full heartedly go. Our new business model is focused on providing a different experience about the lyrics as opposed to just what's on the page or in the song. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I, I kind I support them for trying, but at the I, same time, I, I don't think they knew. I think they knew they were going to get it thrown. Yeah. Out. I, really I think this was a throw in the dark kind of like, yeah. let's just see if it works. And then like, I, I can't imagine any lawyer being like, yes, you're going to, you're going to win this, you know? Right. I mean, it's, it's amazing. One, I mean, for them going into this lawsuit and having a chance, them having that watermark was genius. Whoever oh, made that so, idea. Such a good idea. Give that person a raise, you know? So whoever did that, like that was like damning evidence and proof that Google actually did it because it would be impossible to prove otherwise yeah. that Google was doing it. So yeah, I, I, the company needs to figure out what's going on with, uh, its business model in terms of really running down on what makes a genius genius as opposed to just a site that you look up lyrics. Well, I mean, one of the benefits of genius or one of the, their distinctive business models, I guess, is their content in terms of like YouTube and stuff like that. Yeah. The YouTube stuff is very interesting. I'd like to see more of that, especially because I I think is what they're focusing more. I'd like to see more of that. And I'd like to see on that side of it kind of cultivating a community in the same style that Reddit or tw- or a uh, Twitch has in moderation of like those pages. So, yeah. and Wikipedia. I think it's just hard because it's not really like chat-based medium. You know, it's not like a social well, media. Well, I mean, neither is Wikipedia, but like it's still like the terms of like figuring out, you know, this is what this means for a Wikipedia article could be very similar to like this is what this lyric is coming from in a song lyric. So... You know, um, yeah. So genius, I think first off also did it, if you, if you want to know if you're a little bit older, which by the way, we're 23, so we're not that old, but like literally if you want to know you're older, when you first said genius, I thought of like the Apple genius that used to be in the oh, yeah. that yeah. would try to guess what you wanted to listen to and stuff. Yeah. Their whole spiel was that it was like, it was shuffle, but it wasn't right. It know? was like, it was the first real like attempt from Apple that I knew that was like, we're going to make a base for automatic playlisting. So, yeah. you know, um, I, good luck to them. I hope that they completely, cause genius is, I think a very useful and interesting form of content. That's not very capitalized in the music industry in terms of like specifically having lyrical deep, deep dives and stuff like that. Cause they've cornered the market in that. So yeah, I think they'll be fine. It's just definitely a wake up call. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, you know, again, I don't know what their plan was for this lawsuit because I don't think, I don't think it was, they were going to win it. Like, I, I don't think, think they thought they were going to win it. I think they were trying to get some form of compensation. Or publicity, maybe. Maybe that Or something. Too, but, but even, like, honestly, this is kind of a deeper, like, article in Billboard. Like, they're, you know, like, Billboard and Music Business Worldwide cover it. But this isn't going to be, like, something that's covered by, like, 
like a uh, rolling stone or like pitchfork or something right. like that. You so, know, like you're not going to get a, a vast. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm, I'm feeling about this is I think it was more of, well, we, we physically did the work. Like we paid someone to type out these lyrics, verify that they're right lyrics, verifying the spellings, correct. Verifying with the artists and the team that this is what they wanted on there. And I think maybe they wanted some form of compensation for Google for stealing that work. But yeah. since it's not, a copyrighted work to because it's derivative of the copyright it means that it's not going to be something that they can own um, yeah yeah i also think like um what might be interesting that distinguishes genius uh and genius if you want to hit us up for this idea but <laughs> um and i think they do this already already kind of what they do is like they'll have artists come in and like annotate their own lyrics you know what I mean? Yeah, that would be a good. And they'll way. like star it and say like Donald Glover came and like annotated this lyric about like what he you know. Right. I think it's like from the creator is what they do, but um, I think having more of that, even on a smaller scale, would benefit. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like uh, it doesn't seem like they're you know that they, they knew what they were trying to do. They knew where they were you know odds against them, and I think they're going to be fine and they're going to move into more of that creative content. I just hope that they can become if they want to become the head of that kind of field before somebody else or even google might go into that you know what i mean yeah so well i definitely think genius is more fun than a lot of other lyric sites in terms of my experience oh yeah i mean it's kind of like in the same way that spotify is more fun sometimes than you know other streaming things like it the graphics for it are awesome and the layout is cool and the yeah. style and the theme is very use. well done which is like why i think that obviously they probably went for this lawsuit in some fashion because they're like that part we did you know mm -hmm. that's the part that people come for our website for as opposed to google if it's just raw lyrics versus raw lyrics without any commentary yeah so yeah it's it's gonna be interesting genius i hope you're doing well i also love the cringe compilations of the y'all's videos i hope those keep <laughs> coming up uh but With the soundcloud rappers yeah where it's like somebody really young and it's just if you haven't looked it up uh <laughs> look up genius like uh lyric video cringe and basically it's like all these lower level you know maybe one hit wonder people and they like put it together because when genius does a video it's just dry vocals <laughs> so it just gets real rough sometimes when people kind of don't know what they're doing or it's a repetitive song all right speaking of a repetitive song <laughs> that kind of seems to keep going uh for the rest of this podcast we have a lot of beginnings of like censorship and other issues going on in the music industry recently. So a little short story, and then we'll go into a bigger story about Amazon and specifically Twitch. But we saw that Amazon Music and Audible are adding podcasts now. And basically, this was greenlit to some, to some like artists and podcast producers, and they sent emails, Amazon, to these people saying, do you want to be a part of this program? that's very new. Mm -hmm. And so billboard and a couple other companies got these emails and got some of the terms of service that these podcast agreements are. And again, Amazon is a huge base because we have 55 million customers on Amazon music. So this could be a very big basis for podcasts like ours or others, even though you'll see why we can't be on there in a second. <laughs> and so, and so, yeah, it's a big market, but the problem is, is that Amazon has stated in their terms of service 
that you can't quote include advertising or messages that disparage or otherwise directed against Amazon or any service. Yeah, so if you talk shit about Amazon, you so can't get we're on. already out. So, yeah. so <laughs> you know, because we're uh, disqualified. Yeah, sorry. Uh, you know, we. That's kind of what was brought up. Uh, one of the entertainment podcasts that commented on it goes, "We can't, we can't be on it because we're an entertainment podcast. How are you gonna not comment on Amazon, who owns?" five major companies that are all big in entertainment. Yeah. I mean, he also said too, like how, how do you expect like an actual news organization? Right. That's the other thing is like, what, what do you guys want? And so, uh, billboard, uh, saw that and reached out to comment for Amazon music and they have declined to comment. Yeah, of course they have, (laughs) which is different. I want to say decline to comment is different than have not comment. They specifically went no. no. (laughs) (laughs) So, which is much bigger than if you, if they just ignored it. I'd like to see those decline comment emails. Cause probably it's just literally like we declined to comment at this time, but I'd like one to just be like, no. <laughs> so the only other things that we've heard about this, about the podcast are that it's going to be on Amazon services, either music or audible. We haven't really got a clear if it's on one or the other. And then basically, uh, Amazon said that this will be more of a, kind of like how 99% of all podcast podcasting works where you have a stream that's hosted on one website and Amazon will then, uh, host that stream as opposed to the podcast itself, which is a little different than, uh, music sometimes. And because there's a lot of direct, for instance, on YouTube, let's pretend I'm uploading a YouTube video, your YouTube video, you upload to YouTube and it is hosted there. Yeah, it's like you can download it off right. of YouTube. For again. instance, our podcast is technically through Anchor, and Anchor has a link that sends to other streaming platforms. It's like an RSS Yeah, and feed, it's called right? an RSS feed. And basically what that says is that for the platform to go, okay, this is the link to where this podcast is, and this is where when you stream, it will go to that link and stream it from there. So... It's not like the biggest news in the world, but it's a little different than like, let's say a capacity of rehosting something in terms of like having a company that directly uploads to a uh, service. So that's a lot less like server data and stuff like that that they have to hold because then they don't have to hold the raw audio with Amazon itself. Yeah. Um, Then the other big thing about it is just like the space is growing and then we're also seeing... Again, we're seeing Spotify and Google Play now going to be YouTube Music uh, are integrating podcasts while Apple has a separate Apple Podcast app. And currently, Alexa, you can stream podcasts through other apps such as those ones I just listed, but you have to say it. You have to go through that app. So it's kind of funny because it's like Alexa has to go to a streaming service and that streaming service holds your podcast and that podcast is then streamed from another service. <laughs> it just keeps going deeper. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so great Amazon. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> they can't do any wrong. Daddy Bezos, please let us. <laughs> Daddy Bezos has been getting in some trouble also, which is what I was alluding to earlier. So 
they've been doing some congressional hearings the late last month about streaming and like royalty rates and stuff. And Jeff Bezos basically admitted that he wasn't sure in front of Congress, whether or not the company pays royalties for music users on Amazon's own live stream platform, Twitch as billboard claps back and puts it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, understandably there's been a lot of harsh criticism towards the man because he didn't know. (laughs) And so this nonprofit artist rights Alliance has sent a letter to Bezos stating that the artists deserve their fair share for compensation and due to the coronavirus artists have been migrating to Twitch in a really big amount. In fact, in the second quarter of 2020, there's been an 83% increase in watch content on in, in hours on Twitch in total, yeah. which is a huge increase. I mean, 83 is huge. Yeah, I mean, people are like leaving their computers on. So if you guys want to know kind of how Twitch works, is it kind of works how YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok works, and it works on the good old DMCA system. Yay. If, you, if you've ever dealt with it, then you know why it's bad. So basically, the 1998 Digital Millennium Copyright Act, the DMCA, is the safe harbors provision, which shields content hosting platforms from liability for copyright violations by users so long as they promptly respond to takedown requests from rights holders. In June, the RIAA filed 2,500 copyright takedown notices to Twitch users. Just as policymakers were debating the DMCA's effectiveness in Congress, seemingly in a move to add pressure to Twitch on the licensing front. So if you guys, if you're familiar with YouTube at all, then you know what DMCA is. But basically like they're saying is that you get, uh, you, you can pretty much, if it's fair use, uh, you can put a lot of stuff in your videos in terms of audio and songs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it is up to the copyright holder, you know, if, uh, if, you know, they allow something to go through or not, but fair use is kind of the exception to the DMCA. But let's say that you're using a song, like if you're playing Twitch and you got like, I don't know, Drake's newest album in the background, his company his record company has the right to put a DMCA takedown notice to Twitch saying you have to take this off because he's using it in a non fair use way by, you know, not adding to it or not doing a parody or anything like that. And so they have the right to do that. But the problem is is that the DMCA historically has been kind of up in the air about its effectiveness because companies are very slow to respond to them. And also it's the system is so messed up. So again, the same artist rights Alliance alluded and is correct in that Twitch's deals with major PROs, which are BMI, ASCAP and CSAC, but none with major level labels, which are the big three or any of its publishing entities, which was interesting because that's like one side of the revenue kind of gone. Uh, So as billboard elaborates the letter goes on to slam the company's apparent unwillingness to do anything beyond the most minimal and adequate effort to process takedown requests and concludes by asking Bezos to publicly explain what is he, what is he doing to ensure the artists and songwriters are paid fairly for their music on Twitch. Twitch and Amazon have not made a comment after being asked for one by Billboard. <laughs> Different from no. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So this is kind of why I think this is interesting. So you have the PRO side which is kind of like half the revenue in terms of like traditional royal royalties. Uh, and then kind of like 
on this is there might be an argument for more of a mechanical royalty mm-hmm. in this, especially, or even to a point, even though PROs do it, I don't know how much they're doing in the sync licensing royalties in terms of that, since it's literally synced to video 90% of Yeah, I guess it depends on like if, I don't know, some Twitch influencer was like playing music or something. Right, so basically... Do we, do you personally think that like the DMCA could be monitored enough to basically make this a good deal for artists and labels? Uh, do I think they could? Yeah. 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 Okay. Do I think I, they will? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. Like I, I think, uh, we're in a time currently where Amazon has so much flex mm-hmm. that it's, it's hard to get anything done through them. They're kind of like a brick wall. Yeah. To where, you know, I mean, just like now, they're stonewalling journalists in terms of just getting comment on some of this stuff. But like also just in terms of uh, how much weight they have, uh, how much political weight they have behind them and uh, business weight as well. Because I mean, a lot of sales and a lot of exposure is still through Amazon and Twitch. So I think personally, like, I I don't think a lot of people are against the idea of what the DMCA is. Because I don't yeah. think personally that if you were a Facebook or a Twitter or an Instagram, that you should personally be sued if someone uploads copyrighted material to your thing. Because the basis of the scope of that is so huge that there's no way that like it would be almost... It would take so much screening, which is kind of what came up with YouTube a couple years ago when they were talking about having DMCA changes, that it would slow down the process of uploading and stuff like that for anyone mm-hmm. because it would have to be screened for copyrighted content. And so, and, there, and there's no algorithm yet that's so good that it can detect everything 100% accurately, either visually or audio-wise. Audio yeah. So, like, I, I think the DMCA right now is a very good thing to have in place in terms for companies growth and stuff like that. But I do think it's a little strange how basically you have this territory, especially with streaming because it's like actual, you know, like video streaming on Twitch. I think it's a very weird territory, especially for the music industry. And I would like to see some form of formal agreement, especially with labels because I the breakdown just to show of it, that there's some sort of communication, right? There. There's some communication there, and I think the breakdown of the royalties of it is just strange if you think about it. Because if we go with like with a traditional mechanical royalty, and then like, could you argue that it's a performance royalty? Which I mean, clearly the PROs are involved, so you probably yes. Yeah. Could you argue it's a sync royalty? Yes, probably. So it's like this needs to be kind of hammered out. You know, I think Twitch is really just stalling at the moment because like it reminds me a lot of what we talked about with TikTok. Uh, and then talking about or early YouTube before they had the content. Or, yeah. Before they had the know? content ID system, yeah. which is kind of their way of detecting, which to be honest, that's probably the only way that Twitch is going to have to change is they're going to have to get an, a bot system. But could you, in. but here's the problem though, since Twitch is live streamed and it's a live feed, it's going to have to constantly be listening. You would either have to have a severely delayed stream like that, I don't like, and even then it would be really hard that if you had a delayed stream, let's say even like an hour and then you had someone there just like looking at it or a robot on visually and audio wise, there's no way to like compensate for like, Hey, you know, there's a Nike logo in the background of this. I yeah. like didn't mean to like, well, like, I don't think it's necessarily trademark infringement. You know what I mean? But it's, it's more of, it's more of, 
the audio of it. And I think a lot of bots now are high enough level to where they could scan. Well, it's, like it's kind of like I, you know, in radio, you would have to. Um, the scan ahead. Yeah, there's like certain people that are listening, and a lot of times I think it's it's bots and stuff that are listening to see if like certain things are getting played and like to to account for stuff. I just think it's very interesting because you're seeing a lot of like major labels and stuff and music moving into the thing into yeah. like actual you know Twitch streaming and stuff like that, but you're not seeing a lot of kind of like formulation of the agreements that would generally be in play if like an artist went on a TV show or a, was in a movie. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems to me that like there's a lack of that. And like TikTok was doing in I think two episodes ago, basically they are stalling because they're such big players. They're allowed to kind of like fool around with these people and the industry because it's such good exposure, you know, for a lot of these artists and stuff. And that's kind of why I think it's difficult, especially, especially like the YouTube friends difficult and it's pre-recorded and uploaded. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then when you have the live factor of it, you know, that's even a different field, you know? Yeah. So, um, in terms of like the, the PRO side, PROs will, uh, ascribe a number to the song basically, um, in terms of like where, you know, it's on the radio or something, you can pick it up. And then uh, I think it it's might be the same code that, you know, like if you stream, like a song is playing and you're like, hey, Siri, can you tell me what song this is? Mm-hmm. Or like uh, if you oh, still God. use Shazam for some reason, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you're doing that and like it's the same code that can get picked yeah. up. So if a bot is just like listening to audio and it can pick up, oh, there's a copyright infringement here. Then, I, so, you know. you know, maybe that could do it. But again, we're talking about like YouTube's content ID system is also extremely flawed. So like, even it is. then, yeah, it can be there. There's, it can get pretty nasty if it's done wrong. Right. You know I mean, I there's mean? stuff where it's like YouTube content ID system will pick up, you know, part of a TV in the background, realize it's a show and take down the whole video. Yeah. And stuff like that. Or, or if it's a remix. Just, sometimes there's like no song at all and they'll just take it down. Right. So like that's kind of the weird part about it. And then people also use DMCA takedowns like in a weapon way yeah. by like causing false ones and stuff like, like that. Like other channels. The point yeah. is, is it seems like we need to be, especially with the concert industry and all these people mi- migrating towards it, that we need to be kind of like, it seems like the industry and Twitch and streaming need to be on the forefront of trying to get this together, but it seems like nothing is happening. And even the CEO doesn't even know what's happening. You know what I mean? I think that it's a lot of work that they just don't want to do right now. Right. But uh, it definitely needs to get done. Right. So 100%. that's what I think is the most interesting part about it is just like, you know, Twitch and stuff like that and previously Mixer and stuff when all that stuff was on there. People were like, Oh wow. You know, Twitch, you know, streaming's in a different age now because things are, you know, getting ironed out and stuff and people understand streaming and like what it's like and stuff, but there's still these like weird holes in it that need to get addressed, especially like compensation wise. F in the chat for mixer. F in the chat for mixer. <laughs> uh, poor company. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'd be shocked if Microsoft continues as an organization. <laughs> uh, yeah, they they got hit real they hard. They got really hit really hard. <laughs> I think they have a computer. Yeah. Um, so anyway, 
Yeah, I. I <laughs> point is, Jeff Bezos and Amazon are going to be fine, but we'll, I hope these artists can find some form of more formal ways of compensation for this. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Joe, speaking of uh, getting also taken down, I see that we got some stuff from Apple Music in here. Yeah. So, um, uh, the artist Zara, Zara Larson, uh, her music was pulled from Apple Music uh, in China following criticism of the state, um, reported by Music Business Worldwide. Um, during a uh, a televised interview, um, she uh, basically said that um, her deal, her former deal with a company called, uh, it's like Huawei. Um, which is like a technology company, um, kind of soured, and they basically just like dropped the deal. Um, and she she basically oh um, Huawei okay Huawei yeah sorry <laughs> Huawei yeah that's how you say it. Would you thank guys, you for correcting? Would me. you may know from other issues that Huawei has had with the United States government, especially yeah with exactly, and which is which is why um, you know coming through they uh, they had she announced that she ended her brand partnership with the Chinese device maker. Um, stating that it was uh, it was not the smartest deal I have made in my career. Agreed. Uh, citing <laughs> the company's alleged links with the Chinese government, which faced U.S. sanctions and a ban, uh, and a ban from 5G network in the U.K. Uh, during the interview, Larson suggested that China is not a nice state, <laughs> and added, "I do not want to support what they do, but it's hard not to." Uh, uh, that when I've made this deal, um, this is also translated into English too. Cause oh, it was, okay. yeah, it was not English. Um, but, um, it kind of shows that I, I think, uh, in terms of just, you know, this, that's kind of just the rundown of what happened, but people don't really know that China is such a, in like huge market for music, especially pop music. Well, especially music. Americans do not know how big china i mean how for many european times, artists if you've been listening to like this that. podcast how many times have you listened to like us literally say like oh by the way this company makes most of their money in china through microtransactions yeah like literally that happens with tiktok and like uh also like uh a, like a bunch of companies like that you know and so they're a huge market so to get banned from it uh in some capacity is a huge loss especially in your career in terms of monetary stuff, whatever ethically you think is different, but like it's a monetary hit for sure. Yeah. So here's her full statement, which was translated uh, into English from Swedish. Um, if I now look back on it from a professional and also personal perspective, it was not the smartest deal I, I've made in my career. It's not something I stand for, even though uh, Huawei, 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 thank you, believes that they have uh, no connection to it. It is difficult to prove or disprove. We know the Chinese state. It is not nice. It is not a nice state. I do not want to support what they do, but it's hard not to do when I've made this deal. I have ended the collaboration. Wow. What, and what, let's talk about this. So what did the Chinese government do that they like? They just pulled. They just had. The, I, um, I think so. It did not go into whether it was the government that wanted or specifically Apple, Apple music. But I imagine that the government was putting pressure on Apple. Yeah. In order, because I mean, she crit- it says that she criticizes the state, which is the well, Chinese. Yeah, government. I mean, if you guys ever heard about the Great Chinese Firewall on the internet, I mean, this is one of the examples is that these companies will, because the market's so big, will bend down to China on you know things that are quote unquote little. But that's the problem is like little things like this, where it's like, oh, you just ban this one person, it's like all the time. <laughs> yeah, like, and so well, and another thing is. Um, like in terms of if you are a huge artist like Beyonce or something and you're planning your tour, 
and you're planning to go to China, you are prepped. You are like press prepped to be sure not to criticize anything China does. Right. And you are you are basically obligated um, and your team makes you stand by a set of like, these are the things you cannot say about it, you know, because we want to make this money in China, right. basically, and go on tour there. So, um, and when you, especially some of these pop acts, dude, they draw the biggest crowds in China. Well, of course. So I mean, it's it's a huge deal for, you know, someone to get banned, especially though, Zara, who is a, a gigantic pop, uh, European pop act, you know, that's a huge market. That even though like, you know, China and specifically that side of the world has their own culture and stuff like that. I mean, the West is still the king of providing pop culture to the world, especially yeah. the United States and Europe. So like that is such a deal, you know, to go to China because there are people that are actively like, that is the same thing that, like if you think you're a really cool artist and you're top of the world in the United States, you're probably top of the world and you know, to people in China and to, a, to an extent, obviously it's different from country to well, country. Sometimes you're even bigger in China than you are anywhere else. It's the same thing with that. You know, you know it's kind of like the same thing with the UK too. Sometimes you're bigger in UK than you are in the United States. Yeah. So, and there was a long time, um, not a long time ago, but um, a couple of years ago, um, where a lot of people in the music industry were kind of freaking out because, uh, or they weren't freaking out. It was like freaking out in a good way, I guess, because they, they were seeing China kind of opening up in terms of music uh, and like genre chances and stuff like that. And a lot of new artists uh, were trying to break into the market. So it's been interesting to see how, you know, how, how much has changed in China in terms of um, how, involved their government is in terms of the way people live and uh, right. the way that people get their content, get their entertainment. Um, and it's an important thing to discuss and an important thing to, um, to show how, you know, it, you really can't say what you want to say sometimes with these, in these countries. Right. I mean, and like, uh, her, you know, she didn't say anything crazy. Yeah, she yeah. didn't. That's yeah. the thing. She didn't even say anything that she insane. Was like, she was talking about a company. She said, but at Chinese the same time, state is not a nice state. I mean, could you imagine? Which America? is not even that. It's, it's not saying she's like, could you not imagine, being like, fuck China. Right. Like, she's not saying, could like, you fuck imagine China. in the world if you just like were at a country and like it, it, you know, I think we're so used to it, China, that you have to kind of take it out. Like, if you were, I don't know, in Europe and you just went to a place. Or you and you've been there, and then afterwards you were like, "Yeah, it just wasn't a nice place. A lot of people were mean to me." And they were like, "You are now banned." Yeah, you know, like <laughs> that's insane, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, well, I, who else? Lady Gaga is banned from China because uh, she met with who's the religious leader? That sh the uh, Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama. Yeah, she met with the Dalai Lama. Apparently, even if you speak his name publicly as an artist, you will get you will get is banned. That, from China. I know they have a lot of things against, obviously, like Tibet. And like yeah. the state of Tibet, and then like obviously also against um, Taiwan, and mm -hmm. uh, against uh, especially if you talk about the Uyghur camps that are all there, the concentration camps. Which if you have not heard about that, please look that up. But uh, yeah, I mean it's definitely one of those things where the capitalistic sense of you and the ethical side kind of have to battle with each other as an yeah. artist and figure out like 
would I play there? It's kind of the same thing of like when a country or like an artist really like plays in like, you know, like Saudi Arabia. Well, that's like yeah. That. For like a prince or something. Right. Like, which happens by all, the way. The I think time. people, people think that's not a real thing. The Black it Eyed Peas used to do it all the time. Oh, I remember yeah. they used to go over there and like the prince will give you so much money to do it. But like, yeah, I can't remember who, um, I think it was a comedian or something. Um, I can't remember who it was, but I was watching an interview and they talked about how, you know, they were literally entertaining the opposite side the day before. And then they went to the opposite side and entertained them. Right. Like in terms of the war, happening, which is insane. You know, like how crazy is that? Yeah. I just, Um, you know, you're just gonna, if you're an artist or you're a person and stuff like that, you're just going to have to play ethically what's comfortable with you. I mean, because again, like you have to think that, not everywhere, you know, Western society is very free in terms of public speech and all that kind of stuff. And these places are not going to have it. Yeah. Know? Well, what do you think in terms of, um, so let's think more locally, like American artists, do you think? Because honestly, I mean, you know, we've seen the polls, China, China's U.S. relations have are the worst they've been in a long time. Yeah. Um, do you think they're just going to start banning U.S. artists? So I don't think so because what I think is going to happen is that China has already gone a lot with American companies in terms of creating infrastructure and the creation of like what media is in the nation. Like essentially like what Apple Music, you know, Google and WeChat. And so even though that's Chinese, never mind. But like anyway, uh, there's a bunch of American companies that already have a vested interest in there. And though you know, the American government may be anti-China. It seems to me for their capitalism and the way their society works, that they need these big players and companies that come from America. So I feel like in the same way that they might treat artists like that, where it's like, if you play with us and you, you know, play our rules, do all that stuff. Don't mess with China. You can come over here. But if you say stuff that we don't like, you're out, you know, yeah, like, and that's kind of it. And I feel like China's not afraid to pull out stuff that's been said in the past or anything like that. So it seems like if you're interested in these markets, then you need to think to yourself, like, I mean, am I ethically like going to speak out about something that's maybe, you know, wrong in terms of morally, or am I going to keep my mouth shut? And so I can go play to a million people in a stadium somewhere. Yeah. So, and And then you have the thing of like, well, maybe I don't like the fact that I'm here having to follow these regulations, but maybe I can use this money for something good. Right. Maybe you can do or, that. Or maybe like you, or, you know, bringing I mean, Western culture to these people that see a very filtered culture. Exactly. Is a statement. Term, you know, like giving up, like what determines who gets a performance, you know, right. Like, do the these people, yeah. Do these people need do the specific people who are not maybe, you know, the exact propagators of all these rules, yeah, have to suffer entertainment wise, you know, mm-hmm. by not having anyone play. That's that's a bigger question in this podcast, but that's kind of the things that you would have to think of when you're an artist or a management company. Well, do you remember when uh, I think it wasn't Radiohead got tons of blowback when they played Israel or something? Yeah, I think and, so. And it's like kind of the same thing where it's like you know their their statement was you know, we're doing this for the fans. It's not necessarily for the government. I I think, I think that's a thing, but also, you know, you have to think like capitalism wise is like, this is, I would say probably one, one of the biggest markets there are to play anywhere, you know, 
and they're willing to pay. And there's a huge market for media entertainment in China because mm-hmm. of the population and the amount of money that's flowed into there. So it's and like, so it's not like money. one of those things. I think a lot of people just think like, Oh, well, you, if you're morally against it, just don't play there. But like, this is like life changing money. If you can go on a tour in China, you know what yeah. I mean? For especially like a medium sized act, if they have some, you know, uh, relevance in ch- the Chinese market. Mm-hmm. So like, this isn't just like a small, like, Oh, you're, you you don't make five thousand more dollars a year. It's like no 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 no. This is a huge amount of money. Um. So yeah. Uh, China and everybody getting banned. Appreciate yeah. it. Uh, they need a revamp. And also, I see that Billboard has revamped some stuff from your research. Yeah. So uh, Billboard introduces a revamped Latin pop uh, airplay chart. Um, so according to Billboard, they have changed their standards of their Latin pop airplay chart, uh, which used to be based on weekly plays of all songs, regardless of the genre or language, on a panel of 40, count them, 40 Latin pop formatted stations, which is very low, <laughs> I just want to say, uh, with many of the stations playing a mix of Latin pop genres. Um, the Latin pop, pop airplay chart will now, uh, at 25 positions, feature solely on Latin pop songs based on their airplay on over 170 Latin stations that the report um, uh, through Billboard's genre uh, airplay chart, and which is monitored by Nielsen and MRC. Okay. Um, so basically what they're doing is they're constricting the uh, what constitutes as a pop song um, or like a Latin pop song. Um, where it's not just like a bunch of different genres. Um, so songs will be considered for inclusion if they are pop ballads or mid-tempo or up-tempo pop. Uh, pop rhythmic and pop dance tunes are eligible as well for the chart if they are not predominantly rapped or do not include notable Latin rhythm, uh, tropical or regional Mexican elements. Um, so that's all. I mean, so to me... Which uh, I want to also preface this by saying like the big three labels all had people coming out saying like they they were applauding the changes, um, stating that it would give rise to a new generation raised on pop music. But to me, do you think it's almost losing a cultural element to the songs? So if it's it's just pop music. This is what I'm confused about. Like, so it's pop music. I'm fine with that because that's that's the chart. You know, like the chart is called Latin pop. There could be a Latin part pop chart just as there is a pop chart you know for more traditional western english music uh but like i think it's very strange to uh, it's like not predominantly rap sorry despacito you know like uh but well you could argue because despacito first didn't have a rap section right. on it right wasn't it later that that dude I came on so. what's um, his name oh man i, I can't remember. remember he was everywhere for like three years well anyway i just think it's very interesting that they do the my, the main thing that caught my eyes i thought it was a typo at first but do not include latin rhythm tropical original uh, mexican elements like, yeah i find that like it seems like to me that it seems like more of a why like it it seems like it's more of a geographical chart now as opposed to a genre chart if that makes sense because before i felt like it was like oh you know everybody's playing but like we generally have a vibe that the genre of this is infused with like the tradition of latin music but it's pop yeah i mean i had to do a double take on that too because it seems so So out of now it seems like it's more of instead of being like oh this has latin elements and it's pop music now it's more of this is from the latin region 
and it's pop music. Yeah, which I think is what they're going for. Right. It seems like that. Which is, do, but do you think at the same time maybe they should do like another chart? I think they should do another chart. I mean, it's the same way like that it kind of reminds me of kind of like traditional music and classical music, how that's, you know, classified. Yeah. And so it's just like, why not? I mean, I get that it's a bigger chart, but I feel like there's a market for, you know, more traditional music as there is in like more traditional Western music, which is like, you know, we're talking about jazz and classical music. So yeah, I, I, I don't see a reason why that has to necessarily go away. I'm fine with the Latin pop chart taking a change, and it seems like if a lot of people in the industry and that side of the industry are saying that this is like applauded because I can see how it can be kind of derivative and almost a little bit uh, like not fake, but just kind of like uh, I can't I can't really say, but like more of just like, oh, if you get in here and you have like a Latin element, then you're a Latin pop artist. Like, it can just seem, like, disingenuous is what I would say. Yeah. Uh, but I guarantee you, I mean, there's people that are doing, who are from Latin areas and do pop music, but they just do it in, like, maybe not English or just with more of a Latin style that aren't doing traditional elements to it. Yeah. So, I think it is more of, like, an just an update, maybe. Right. You know, I don't think they're trying to just, like, belittle classical I don't, I don't think, it, but I think you do kind of lose some, some I of think that. they're trying to avoid maybe like more of the disingenuous parts of it. If, if that makes sense in yeah. terms of like being like, Oh, we should be on the Latin pop chart because we have like, you know, some Samba elements in here or like some t- merengue or something like that. Yeah. Like it, I just, when it should just be right. And then we would, everyone would just be like, this is just, you know, it's almost like it's disingenuous because it just feels like you guys are throwing this in here just to throw it in here as opposed to being like, I'm a Latin pop artist. Like I'm from a Latin region who likes to do pop music. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, good for them doing better than when we talked about the Grammys and when they had the Latin urban award. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Joe would even listen to, Ooh, I've been, uh, you know what? I had kind of a, a total change of, of, music stuff this past week did it's, you go from latin crazy. pop to latin pop <laughs> yeah yeah i did <laughs> um i've uh i actually just discovered this dude he uh yves tumor uh tumor uh with heaven to the torture to a tortured mind pretty good if you're like into experimental stuff if you like a hundred gex you might like this this uh oh, stuff um i've also been listening to a lot of christine and the queens um leon um what else oh and a ton of hatchy been listening to a lot of her she has this like 80s like very romantic sound to her stuff very layered layered uh elements and stuff that yeah. I, I enjoy but what about you um i've been listening to and shout out to a fan of the show friend for a long time trey bankley for telling me to check it out <laughs> uh but i've been listening to the texas gentleman album called floret which i really like and uh it's very like me and him talk about because we're very old school sometimes and like literally we'll just be talking about like more of like guitar based you know jams and stuff like that and this music is very uh very instrumental very uh southern in the way it is uh and it kind of he he sent it he told me i should listen to it i already listened to the previous record before and i liked it but the reason why he was like it's really like the band which if you know the band has like a lot of like southern root songs yeah and stuff like that they're very rock Rask though yeah and so like they have a great performance right it's like they have southern charm but it's rock it's not like 
it's not the opposite. It's not like, oh, this is rock music or southern music that's rock. Yeah. Which is very important because that's more of like a Leonard Skinner. But like uh <laughs> anyway, like this music I think is really good because it reminds me a lot of uh like Paul McCartney and Wings, because especially like the instrumentation and the pausing and stuff like that. Yeah. It's very string heavy, which is kind of different from the band, which is very horn heavy. And so it's, it was very good. I liked it. Uh, I put it on some playlists and stuff. And also, I thought their merch was really cool for it because they had like these like, it was like they had the records and the artwork's cool for it. But then they had this like fold out kind of like Candyland style board thing that came with it. And then I also thought it was cool, which I like the trend of this now, is that you can just buy like a lot of the, like I call it clerch, where it's not really like merch. It's not like a CD or it's not like a shirt. It's just like various knickknacks. And you can buy that separate, which I just kind of applaud because I would be like, I don't really want to buy the record because I'm not really a new vinyl person or a CD collector. But I think some of these like, you know, logoed stuff, like they had like a... uh so Texas gentlemen, you can send the check to, um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but like, that's what I feel like I'm talking like right now, but like literally they had like some cool stuff where it was like kind of like a alcohol bag, but it takes this gentleman on it and like yeah. some shot glasses and stuff like that, which I thought was cool, but like it was not bundled with something, which was nice. So yeah, it was, it was pretty good. And, uh, it's definitely been great with me, uh, exercising and stuff. It's just very fast driven and emotional, which is, you know, my jam. <laughs> well, nice. Well, that's showbiz, baby. Thanks for listening to that showbiz baby podcast, your all things music business and media podcast. Um, if you want to check out our socials, you can find us on Twitter at showbiz baby pod, Facebook and Instagram at that showbiz baby podcast, or email us at that showbiz baby podcast at gmail.com. Um, we might start doing a video soon, so we'll uh, just have to see how the setup works out. And then uh, eventually we're starting to uh, get guests on the show. So if you guys have anybody in mind or any articles or anything, just be sure to email us. Thanks for listening.